This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. We want to bring in our next guest. He's retired four-star Army General Stanley McChrystal. Uh, he's with us. He's founder of the McChrystal Group, uh, former commander of the Joint Special Operations in Iraq, and um, helping oversee um, dealing with the pandemic in Boston specifically. General McChrystal, uh, so nice to have you uh, here again with us. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, I hope your family is safe and those around you, and tell us a little bit about uh, dealing with the situation in Boston specifically one of the hotspots, if you will, um, similar to what we're seeing here in New York. Absolutely. Well, first, thanks for asking. The family's absolutely taking care of each other. My three granddaughters live next door to me, so I'm getting a lot of quality time when the school's closed. Um, what we are trying to do is to help organizations bring together wider groups of stakeholders and collaborate better to achieve synergy. So if you take that model... Mayor Walsh in Boston asked us if we could help them change from a a normal mode of operations first into a crisis response mode to the COVID-19, which brings in more people communicating on a daily basis in a keystone form that they have every morning, which brings them together, and then also help prepare them for longer term for not just this crisis, but the crisis after next. And so what does that look like, General, in terms of what is the shift? Give us an example of of what that shift entails, either in terms of the personnel, in terms of the pace, in terms of the assignments. Sure. Uh, Mostly in a crisis, one of the key things you have to do is get a shared understanding, a common contextual appreciation for what the situation is. And then you have to align on the strategy so that you can execute things that actually make sense. So one of the things we find is you bring people together on a more more frequent basis. What Mayor Walsh does is bring them all together for an hour every morning. It's all virtual. Hmm. Everybody's brought in, and he gets updates from all different players, police, fire department, health part players. And so everyone gets a common understanding. And then they solve problems right on that uh, call. It's a video call. And they start doing it. They capture the lessons of those. And then they put that out every day as an update. And so even more people can get that uh, sense of understanding. General McChrystal, you know, last June, you last year in, uh, in June, uh, you and I talked at the Bloomberg Breakaway Summit, and we talked about leadership lessons that you've learned along the way and, and what CEOs can do to be more effective leaders. In today's environment, you know, what advice can you give to today's political and corporate leaders? Because as you know, a lot of criticism has been levied at our political leadership out of Washington. And I'm not looking to point fingers here, but you know, what have we learned that can be constructive about what mistakes were made early on early on, and what can be applied now to get this under control? First off, uh, thank you for speaking again, Carol. It was a pleasure to see you last year. I guess think about the, the threat we've got now. We've got an amorphous viral enemy that is frightening. That's the pandemic, COVID-19. But we've also got the uncertainty of an economic shutdown of the economy, or at least temporarily so. So people are assaulted from multiple directions. Nobody really knows how to defeat a pandemic on their own. And of course, we feel helpless when the economy changes so suddenly. So I think the first thing leaders have got to do is be straight with us. Get in front of us and tell us what is known. Give us the data in in very candid terms. People can take that and you will build credibility over time. Even when the truth changes as data is updated, it's okay if you come back and say, okay, 
But I think people need to understand what the situation is. Then the second is give people a sense of commitment. Think of uh, Winston Churchill in the summer of 1940 when he told the British people, we will never surrender. He couldn't promise quick victory at that point. Everybody knew it was very, very difficult to head. But what he communicated was absolute idea that we're in this together and we'll come out of it together, as we will this crisis. I, well, I, I think inspirations follows as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's such an interesting point, General McChrystal, because it, it feels like there there has been a turn, and I wonder if you agree with this, over the last week or so, maybe even the last few days, that people are starting maybe to embrace that notion of shared sacrifice, individual responsibility, you know, it, sort of attaching themselves to this notion of, okay, what can I do? And part of what we can do, it sounds like, is – Nothing like stay at home, like don't go anywhere. Um, but but we there is a sense building, and maybe I'm just being overly optimistic that people are are, are kind of reading that right. Well, I, I think that's right. Uh, I think the American people desperately want that. You know, we really haven't asked the American people to go to war mm. since World War II. Ever since that, we've always done limited, and even after 9/11, there was this brief period when we talked about. We were all in this together, and then it kind of felt like pretty soon we weren't. So I think there's a hunger in the American people to do that. But it's going to take the idea that we're not fighting 50 separate state fights against COVID-19. We're fighting a national fight. And it's not a national fight. It's a global fight. I think the American people will respond dramatically if the leadership asks them to. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I do wonder, too, you know, we keep talking about, General McChrystal, about kind of the longer-term impact of this. How do you think the coronavirus pandemic ultimately will change the world? You know, and specifically when we come out of this, what's the most important, in your view, underappreciated way that the world will be different? Well, I'm going to throw two scenarios to you. The first is when societies are under pressure, Sometimes they unify, they come out stronger, and sometimes they fragment, like Iraq did after 2003, the Balkans did in the 1990s. So what I'm going to describe as the positive is not a guarantee. It's if we make it happen. But what I think happens is the pandemic stresses us. It reminds us that we are connected. It reminds us that global supply chains, personal relationships, everything are connected. And so We don't win alone. We don't even win in small groups. We don't even win as single entities or nations. We win more broadly than that. And and if we have an appreciation for that, several things happen. One, we start to think a little bit more broadly about problems like global warming, like income inequality, and other things that dull society. And then I think our way of working is going to be different. It, It was sort of a shock to a lot of organizations and people to have to work from home. But now we're only a couple weeks into it, really, and a lot of people are finding that they can stay connected. They've got to learn some new techniques. They can do some things. So I think businesses are going to migrate to a new normal that's sort of a hybrid from where we used to be because we won't do away with offices entirely. But we're going to do a lot more connected, which is actually going to open up our ability. It's going to widen our reach as individuals and organizations, and the most agile the most aggressively networked organizations, whether they're military organizations or businesses or governments, are going to come out really well. 
Well, and it's so interesting you say that you went exactly where I wanted to go next, General McChrystal, which is, you know, now in the private sector, you're working with a lot of companies. You advise CEOs and, and many others. And I do wonder, even though some similarities exist between government leaders and, and corporate leaders, you know, businesses ultimately have different stakeholders and employees and customers and, and whatnot. What are the lessons that maybe a CEO can learn that might be slightly different from a military leader or a, a government leader? Sure. Government leaders and military leaders can wrap themselves in the flag and, and cause and, and motivate people that way. Business leaders, it's more difficult. You can talk about the, the goal of the company. But in reality, business leaders have a big advantage because the, the pressures of the marketplace – can both cause you to make dramatic turns and it can allow you to make dramatic turns because if you've got a company that's just making money year over year and you go to the board or, or stakeholders and say, we want to change dramatically, you may not get automatic support. But a very competitive environment, then suddenly the CEO is not only allowed, but he's ex or she's expected to make that kind of significant change. And that's pretty liberating. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I do wonder when you, when you, you know, looked at the situation in Boston specifically, and just when you look at the situation around the country, really around the world, I mean, does any of this feel, um, I don't know, a little bit overwhelming and just a reminder that there are certain systems we've got to have in place. I mean, the military has to do it all the time, right? They're constantly probably asking themselves, what if, what if, and we've got to have the backup systems. And I really do feel like this crisis has revealed to us how many backup systems we didn't have uh, in our society. I, I think that's right, Carol. Uh, but, but there's a danger. We learned this in the military. If you try to plan for contingencies, you never get it exactly right because the the risk that comes up is always a bit different, but it doesn't mean planning for contingencies doesn't have value. What I would be talking about for us is to develop a system, and you could call it an immune system for a country or an organization that learns to detect risks as they arise, learns to understand them quickly, learns to respond to them, and then maintains that knowledge going forward like the human immune system does. I would say that the best thing that, for example, the United States could do right now is to link all the states together in a way like we've never been linked before. What we learned in Joint Special Operations Command is counterterrorism is an information battle, and it's whose network better and shares Got information it. fastest wins. 